0: Listener to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name, if you didn't know it by now, now you'll know it. My name is Casper McLeod, and with me, joining me as my co host for this week, is Fraser Douglas. Fraser, how are you?
1: Going well, Casper. We're, um, looks like we're in for another good round this weekend, so can't wait to get stuck in with it. Uh, uh thanks for having me, mate.
0: Absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining. Now, uh, dear listener, in case you didn't know, basically this podcast split into three sections. Section one, we review the round that's just been. We each give our top two highlights, top two lowlights. We have a little discussion about it. And then in the second part, we discuss the major talking points to come out of the previous round of football. And then in part three, we'll predict. The upcoming round of matches but let's start with round nine. Fraser I'll start with you. What were your top two highlights of what was a massive round?
1: Highlights for me I mean it has to be the Saturday night games just both both really good games of footy the only low, one of the lowlights there obviously that they were competing against each other in that time slot but the comeback from Richmond was um, special, obviously, undemandable. We'll um, talk about that a bit more later. But I thought that was a really impressive performance. We saw they were undemand in the midfield especially. And uh, Liam Baker really stood up, I thought, and um, helped them get over the line. A few, a few uh, iffy free kicks down, or missed free kicks potentially, um, down the stretch there that went um, Richmond's way. But yeah, really impressive. And obviously, um, another highlight, the Dogs just really... Like, they started, obviously, they were the form team opening the season. And then I feel like people kind of went off them a bit. Melbourne kind of took that, took the spotlight away. And to see them travel um, over to Adelaide and take care of Port, who a few question marks over them, um, to be fair. But um, really impressive performance. They, um, they were down both of their um, first string, Ruckman in English, and uh, Stefan Martin. So really... Um, Really strong performance, and uh, they they uh, absolutely dominated them in the un- in the uncontested ball. So that was a um it was that's a tough to do over there in uh, Port. Usually they uh, take a bit of a stranglehold over the um over the footy. So yeah, I was really impressed by it. Both of those games, just great game. Watching um yeah, it was a good Saturday night.
0: Absolutely, totally groozy there. I'm going to start off by mentioning a team that has been on the low light side of things on this podcast many times so far this season. But finally, they have a win, North Melbourne. Wow, congratulations, Kangaroo fans. Your team has a win in 2021, broke a 16-game losing streak. Massive congratulations to you. 280-something days since their last victory. Absolutely massive. Congrats to David Noble, first win as a head coach in the AFL. And to do it in the way they did it, against Hawthorne in Tasmania, who rarely lose down there. 32 points down, massive third quarter, massive second half, full coders to you, North Melbourne. You are no longer the worst team in the competition, even though you are still bottom of the ladder. But hey, baby steps, baby steps. Uh, onto uh, Onto the other highlight, I will also mention the dogs. The dogs by far and away, By far and away, I think, the second most impressive team this weekend. First North Melbourne, second the Bulldogs. As you mentioned, power hard to beat in Adelaide. And yet the Dogs did it in the end. You know, it's a good game of football, but in the end, they did it fairly comfortably. And they did it with such finesse and did it with such style. They're the most watchable team in the competition. I want to sign a petition. I want to start a petition. To get the dogs on every single Friday night time slot for the rest of the competition and for next year as well, because unlike uh, unless they have a massive fall off in quality, drop off in quality, they're not gonna they're not gonna stop being watchable next year. Now, uh, Fraser, just to ask you about your top two lowlights of the weekend.
1: Lowlights for me, I mean, Friday night, it, it promised so much. And I feel like if St. Kilda kicks straight there, that game goes to another level. But, um, yeah, it was just a tough start for them. I can't remember the exact uh, scoring accuracy in that first quarter. They were like 0-7 zero, zero or something, and it was just like – they were they were well on top, and they could have been up by three goals. And it just felt like even when they started to kind of claw their way back into it, which they did to their credit, they hit the front uh, in the third. And um, – it just kind of felt like they like the better teams, they find a way. And that was Geelong. And um, that was kind of a disappointing one. It felt like St. Kilda were just about to get their season. If they win that, you feel like, hang on a minute, they're, they're back in the race here for, for a top eight spot. But that kind of just sets them back another one. Um, they were they were decent, though. They, they looked better. They look um, uh, When I was on here last time, I said um, I still had a bit of faith. It's still it's being tested, I'll, uh, I'll say that. And um, now they've got this boss, Rowan Marshall, for a few weeks. So it's going to be up to Patty Ryder to um, shoulder that load for a while. So hopefully they can do that because they've got the talent. Just a matter of whether they can do it and um, against that mounting injury list. My other low light um, it's, it was a, it was a good round of footy, but um, it has to be the Suns for me. I mean, they had, that, they had those two couple of strong wins over the Swans. Swans like Swans at the Sydney Swans are going well. There, that's a good win, and they they pantsed them and then they knocked off Collingwood who a few question marks there obviously but um there's a couple of good wins it kind of felt like hang on a minute the Suns are time to take them a bit more seriously and then just haven't been able to get going they blew the game to the Saints and um probably should have won that they kind of just choked it away as there's been quite a few close games between those two teams over the last few years and I feel like if they get that um and it, who knows what happens just on the weekend being but it was a, it was a disappointment in Brisbane, you have got to take that they're they're right up there. Brisbane, they're a good team, but at home they just really didn't show. They lost, they lost by seventy points. I mean, you think they're you think they that you think that was five years ago when they're losing, and it's a it's a Q clash. You have got to get up to the Q clash, the, the historic Q clash. But um, and then the, and then the Suns have have Geelong down at um down at Geelong this weekend, so that's that's that could get ugly.
0: Agree with you there, Fraser. I'm also going to mention the Suns as one of my lowlights. Do you remember back when the Q clashes used to be close? I remember 2018, especially that year, the two (laughs) clashes. One was decided by a goal. The other one was decided by five points. Split and Suns won the first one. Lions won the second one. We had that great kind of tussle between Dane Zorko and Tuk Miller. You know, there's big controversy about... Dane Zorco's behaviour—you know, was it poor sportsmanship? It was great. It brought a lot to the rivalry. Since then, the Lions forty-nine point winners, ninety-one point winners, forty-nine point winners, seventy-three point winners—the most recent margin—and it feels like the oxygen has just been sucked out of that rivalry in Queensland. And I really thought that the last couple of years when the Suns have have shown promising signs early last year and at stages this year, that they could, you know, once again, challenge Brisbane. We know how good Brisbane have been the last couple of seasons. And Gold Coast just haven't been up for it. Honestly, it's just been so disappointing. Number one, the Suns. Number two, Carlton. Yet again, fail to beat a team above them on the ladder, which you need to do in order to play finals football and once again they played two to three pretty good quarters against Melbourne but it was just one quarter quarter and a half laps where they just conceded a bunch of goals margin ballooned out past five goals or so and ended up losing fairly comfortably in the end first quarter was even Deeds only kicked their fourth goal fourth four goals to Melbourne three goals to Carlton Melbourne only got that little lead over the Blues in the final 10 seconds of that quarter. Goal to, I believe it was McDonald. And then the second and third quarters, Melbourne just ballooned it out. I don't know what it is about Carlton and the inability to play four quarters of football, but the last week, if you also consider David Teague's press conference about uh, Crippen's back, has been absolutely a terrible week of football for the Carlton Football Club. Just having a little bit of technical difficulties, dear listener, which if you're not new to the podcast, you'll be very much used to. I'll come back now. On to the second talking point of the the podcast. And there's a second portion, I should say. And that are the talking points to come out of the massive round of football that was, and we'll start off, Fraser, with... Hawthorne versus Collingwood. They're not playing this coming weekend, but I do want to ask you, they're, they're two clubs in a very similar position. Uh, two clubs that have experienced a massive fall from grace. Two clubs currently sitting on just two wins so far this season. And two clubs that have questions about their coaches going forward. The uh, Collingwood situation, obviously, more... more um. Uh, uh, explosive now I guess you can say my question to you is who's in a better position going forward Collingwood or Hawthorne
1: well it's a good question I mean both of uh I don't know if Hawthorne's under delivered this year if you know what I mean but um I think I think most saw them down that bottom end of the ladder but it's Collingwood definitely has um had a lot of off-field stuff even that the presidency and in the board and the election stuff that's still going on now I remember talking about that last time I was on that was about a month ago so who knows I'll probably end up having an emergency meeting and I mean it's just a bit of a shambles at Collingwood at the moment I mean it's a tough one Hawthorne obviously losing to North and people thought North wouldn't win a game for the year so not a great week to be a Hawthorne uh, player or supporter Um, but if I I think about this long term um, even with the potential that Clarkson may leave at the end of the year touch and go there who knows then you've got Sam Mitchell waiting in the wings who is highly highly regarded um obviously was over there when West Coast won the flag and um as an assistant and now um a VFL coach at uh Box Hill so I mean that's a that's a plus to me I'm not sold on Nathan Buckley I mean this some of the stuff that um went down at the end of last year I mean you can say you can say all you want that it was to do with the list management and the list management team but the coach definitely has a say there and some of the like he didn't he didn't handle that period well I didn't think at all so coaching side of things definitely with Hawthorne and when you look at the salary cap side of things obviously the AFL it's hard to get a grasp on the salary cap of it everything's um, kept pretty much private we occasionally get when there's a big deal signed you get the you get the monetary figures but even that's rare but we know that Brody Grunty's on a really long-term deal. They're still paying off the Dane Beams contract. They're paying the dogs for Adam Trelaw, who's having a really good season. They could do with him right now. And I saw Collingwood on the weekend and like they've got some young players coming through, but I mean, I'd rather I'd rather Hawthorne's younger players right now. They've already had uh, a top five pick last year. And going forward, you feel like they're they're destined to go to the draft. Jeff Cannon obviously said, I think he said, We'll go to the draft for two years and they will be contending again. Probably a bit, probably a bit aggressive there, Jeff. Probably settle down a bit, mate. But um, I mean, for me, I would for me, I would say Hawthorne. I feel like a lot of people would say Collingwood. I saw the I saw Collingwood up close and gee, they were they were pretty after quarter time, they were nowhere near it against the Sydney Swans on the weekend. I mean, the Swans didn't play well either. But Collingwood were just the sloppy disposals. I mean, they've still got they've still got talent, don't get me wrong. I mean, you've got um you know, your and your side bottoms and your Grundy's and your Darcy Moore's. And that's all well and good. That's your spine. But, I mean, Pendlebury and side bottom are getting towards the, the latter end, the back end of their careers. I mean, it's tough to say. I feel like Hawthorne are, I feel like Collingwood, are, they haven't fully committed to the rebuild. I feel like they would still be like, we're, we're a chance to contend next year, where I think like Hawthorne is now resigned to the fact that they're going to have to go to the draft. They've got the assets to sell off. They've got a wing guard, a... I mean, I don't know. I don't I haven't heard much out of Tom Mitchell, but I mean, he would he would get you a few picks. I mean, they've got options. Hawth- Hawthorne has options. Collingwood is Collingwood. salary Crap is in a shocking position. I don't. I'll um. I'll hand it over to you, mate. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the on the position of both clubs.
0: Hmm. Well, I think I, I trust Clarkson more than Bucks. and so if Collingwood. Uh, And I saw something on Fox footy that said that Bucks is set to sign a new contract at Collingwood. Which, if so, I don't know if that's the best decision to make. Clarko at least has the Premiership Cups behind him. He has the success, he has the glory, one of the most successful coaches ever. Not just at Hawthorne, across all clubs, ever. An all-time great. So I think from a coaching position, I think Hawthorne's in a better position. Uh, president position, Hawthorne has more stability. You know, Collingwood, Mark Corder, is he going to be challenged? If so, is he going to survive the challenge or will there be a new president? Absolutely no idea. And I don't know how they can begin to even talk to Nathan Buckley about a new contract before they figure all that stuff out. So off-field, Hawthorne in a better position. Uh you're right, Hawthorne had a top 10 pick last year in the draft. Uh yet to really see him play, I think, due to injury from memory. Um, but nevertheless, they their their youth. I I I have um I feel better about their young players coming up, the Hawks. Uh Collingwood, their best players are 30 and above and will probably retire. If not this year, then maybe the year after that, or the year after that. They don't have long to play, I think. Pendlebury, uh, Sidebottom, bottom, Howe. Uh, we saw Greenwood. You know, he has ongoing concussion problems. Best wishes to him, but he could retire this year. And then, if all those players go, who who's there to take their place? You know, you've got some good young players You know, Darcy Moore, one of the best defenders in the competition. Quaynor, he's a great defender, uh, out of his depth a little bit this year, um, probably especially when Darcy Moore was thrown forward. Um, But aside from those two players, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, who for Collingwood at the moment is going to play in their next premiership? And I'm looking at their list and I can't spot anyone. And I look at Hawthorne and I think it might take a few years, but I can even see like Tom Mitchell. I can see Mitchell playing in Hawthorne's next premiership. I can see CJ playing in Hawthorne's next premiership. You know, they've got the foundations or part of their foundation already, Hawthorne. Collingwood, I feel like they still need to tear everything down and head to the draft again, which, you know, to be expected when you challenge for a flag, you don't have in 2018, 2019, like Collingwood Collingwood did, you don't have a lot of draft uh, capital. And as such, they missed out on a lot of great players during that stretch. But that was fine then because they didn't need it. Now, unfortunately, they're in a position where they do need young players, young good players, and they don't have them, Collingwood, not really. Moving on to the next question, uh, Fraser. Now, know this is the weekend after, but Melbourne versus the Western Bulldogs Friday night at Marvel Stadium to start off round 11. It won't be quite the battle of the unbeatens like it was shaping up to be, but it's pretty darn close to it. The two best teams in the competition so far this year. I'll let you start with this one, Fraser. Who do you think is going to win this game if you were to predict it now?
1: I mean, it's a great question. Two of the um two the two most consistent sides of the season. And um at Marvel, if it was at the G, I'd say the Demons. But at Marvel, I'd say the dogs. Um, I think they play that ground extremely well. We saw it we saw them absolutely pants North Melbourne there. Um and they were, they were lightning on, they just play it quick. Melbourne, I think, utilised the big spaces of the MCG really well. It suits their game. They um they don't necessarily have to dominate the ball, although they are, they're top half of the league. They're not, they're not top four. The Dogs are number one in possessions this year. Obviously it's hard not to be when you've got that midfield. But um yeah, so for me, it'd be the Dogs. I mean, I'd, I hope, hopefully both win uh, this weekend and we've got, um, Melbourne undefeated against the Dogs with just the one loss. I mean, in ability to get the, to get your hands on the ball, I think that's imperative to beating Melbourne, and no one's really been able to do it this year. We've had teams that have had more. I've looked at the um looked at a few of their games, stats wise. A few teams have had more possessions, but not by much. If one team's going to dominate Melbourne around around the ground, I saw even even Carlton. Um, Melbourne had more Melbourne had more disposals, but Carlton thrashed them at the clearances. Carlton had 15 more clearances around the ground, I think. So if the dogs can get on top, even with, um, hopefully I think English has been just been ruled out for this weekend again. So they'll be up against it with Max gone. But um, even the way they, the way they, their forward line functioned against Port Adelaide, the inclusion of Cody Waitman, who's a really good young player, um. I think it's I think it's time um, the dogs are taken seriously. I feel like they've kind of been kind of been forgotten a little bit, brushed under the carpet. Um, I feel like in a a couple or a week's time we'll be looking at them as uh, the favourite going into that match. What about you, mate?
0: Yep, I agree. Marvel Stadium suits the dogs. Uh, I'm tipping the dogs at Marvel Stadium, not just because they play Marvel Stadium really well, Melbourne. For many many years, just couldn't win at Marvel Stadium. I remember Melbourne supporters on social media always used to dread playing games at Marvel Stadium. They always used to plead to the fixture gods, please do not, do not schedule us for a home game at Marvel Stadium. We can't do it. From like 2007 until 2015, they couldn't win again at Marvel Stadium. The DS, it was incredible. Uh, that has rectified itself. Uh, but the reason why I'm still going with the dogs over the demons. Is because of how much the dogs have played at marvel stadium already this year and how much practice they've had there melbourne has had one game at marvel stadium so far and that was all the way back in round two i barely remember round two that's how long ago it was and so for me i look at the dogs play the ground better uh i believe i haven't looked at the stats but i'm I believe she's you know watching them that they, they, they can score more efficiently than melbourne they can score more prolifically than melbourne uh and i think melbourne's defense is going to be even if tim english doesn't play um i think melbourne's defense is going to be put to the test and stephen may jake lever max gone going back there they're going to have their work cut out for them it should be the game of the year and i am so excited for it if it was at dmcg i would tip melbourne But it's at Marvel Stadium, therefore I am going to tip the dogs. Now on to the next question there, Fraser. Uh, Should West Coast now be considered a real top four threat this year? They had their pants pulled down by Geelong. And since then, they've been going along pretty nicely, the Eagles. They've even won a game interstate, which is absolutely massive. Although if it's all right, I'll start off with this one. Uh, Yes, it's true. They've won three games in a row fairly comfortably, but who have they played? They've played the Crows, who haven't won a game since round four and were the worst team last year. They beat Hawthorne, which yes, it was interstate, but again, they're the worst team in the competition currently as it stands. And they played Fremantle, who seem to be allergic to the whole concept of winning and competing in western derbies and so for me i look at west coast form and yes i know they have injuries i know they have injuries and i know the margins especially in that derby game was what have, have been massive but i look at them just thinking i'm not ready to call them a top four threat just yet they don't really have, they, they play the Giants this weekend, they play the Bombers in Perth, and then they play Carlton at the MCG. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a real challenge for them just yet. The stretch after that, they have the Bayern round 13, they play the Tigers and the Dogs back-to-back weeks in Perth, and then they play the Swans in Sydney. I can't remember the last time the Eagles beat the Swans in Sydney. It may be all the way back in 2007, maybe. So 2007, last time that they beat the Swans in Sydney, they play the best team of the last four years at home and they play the second best team in the competition also at home. That three-week stretch will prove whether or not the Eagles really deserve the double chance uh, threat status. How about you, Fraser?
1: I mean, it's a good question. Um, Their best is... The best is top four we know that but their worst which we saw we also saw against Geelong was shocking I mean that game was horrendous they couldn't get their hands anywhere near the ball and um, I mean they're just better than they're simply better than that like they've won they want a flag and um, power to them but you feel like their list I mean this is a really really good list this is one of the better lists I've seen in my time watching football and one flag. I mean, I mean, one flag. I mean, you've done well, but I feel like two flags is almost where they should be. Like, I mean, Nick Natanui, he hasn't one flag. Like that's, there should be motivation for him and Gaff and the rest of the team to try and get one. I mean, they've, they're have they a great team at bringing um, recycled players. Alex Witherden's slotted in seamlessly down back. He'll replace Shannon Hearn. It just keeps, like, just keeps the machine rolling on. And you just know they're just going to keep being competitive um, for years to come. They're, they're, not, they're not old either. Like, they're not an old team. They're, they're a good drafting team. They're constantly bringing in good players. I mean, their best is good enough. Whether we can pencil them in for top four, though, I mean, I don't think we can. I don't think we can because, as you said, big, big month coming up, big, um, big stretch of games. I feel like if they play oh I mean I know if they play their best they can beat those teams but it's just a matter of you just don't know on the road we've seen them struggle I mean as you mentioned they've won they won one recently which is a good sign but um and they have been they have been competitive the game they lost to the dogs I mean that's a good at at Marvel too they don't play at Marvel very often and um that was a good sign against a really good Western Bulldogs team as we've discussed so I think um I mean, if they finish lower than sixth, I think that's a failed, um, failed regular season. They should be, they should do better than that. That would be my two cents.
0: Yep, fully agree with you there, uh, Fraser. Should be interesting as well if they fail to get the double chance. Be three years in a row since the premiership in 2018 that they have failed to uh, finish in the regular season anything higher than fifth which given their list is a massive fail and after 2019 they brought in tim kelly and he was supposed to be you know the savior of the west he was supposed to take them back to the premiership and it just hasn't happened yet and their good players are getting injured their good players are getting old you wonder how long they have left some players like kennedy and Darling. Speaking of darling, just have to mention this for a second. What the hell was he thinking? That third goal or fourth goal, whatever it was. Why would you play on? Why Why would you do that? You're straight out in front. You Like the luckiest nutmeg in the world. The luckiest nutmeg in the world. If he missed that, forget the drop mark in the 2015 grand final. That will be the most embarrassing. It would have been the most embarrassing moment of his career, without a doubt. Thankfully for him, he kicked it. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Still can't believe it. Anyways, moving on to the final talking point of the weekend, if I can just recall what it was. Uh, yes, that's it. Goal kicking accuracy. I noticed, Fraser, looking at the statistics, looking at the scoreline of the past weekend of matches, a lot of teams missing a lot of goals. Obviously, St Kilda being the main one, 5 17. But the next day you had both the Swans and Collingwood kicking less than 50% goal-kicking accuracy. The Swans kicking 10-12, which is okay. Collingwood kicking 5-12, 1-10 after quarter time. Uh, The the Suns kicking 7 goals, 9. You had Fremantle 8-13. Melbourne kicking 13-16. I'm, I look and I've gone back through the earlier rounds. There are so many other examples, and it's not just one player or one team. But I do want to mention one team in particular and one player in particular: Nat Fife and the Fremantle Dockers. Two sixteen five. I still think he's one of the best players in the competition. But he could be miles ahead of everyone else if he could just straighten up. And the AFL they've put together a compilation of his behinds so far this year. And it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. And now I think it's starting to impact the rest of the team as well. 8-13 they kicked against Essendon, even though they were, as even as an Essendon supporter, I can admit, Fremantle were by far and away the best team of, uh, of that game. They kicked one goal four in that final quarter. One goal four in a close game that is devastating. According to AFL.com.au, Fremantle is ranked sixth in the AFL for shots on goal this year, but dead last for goal-kicking accuracy. Just 40.3% conversion rate. Absolute shocking. But like I said, it's not just Fremantle and it's not just Fife. Fraser, do you think that there is a goal-kicking problem, goal-kicking accuracy problem in the AFL?
1: When you sent me this question, I... um as anyone would I immediately harked back to the Friday night. I mean, it's hard to forget those misses by St. Kilda. They just completely got the yips. I mean, it was, it was, t- it was tough viewing for the fans, let alone the St. Kilda supporters, but I mean, like you, I um, had a look at um, some of the Scott, like the scoring accuracy and that game you mentioned with Essendon and um, Frio, it felt I definitely agree with you that, um, I don't know if Essendon was the better team on the day, but there, Essendon's developed a bit of a knack for being able to put them through the big sticks. I mean, I think it was 56% scoring accuracy to about 38 for the Dockers. I mean, that's the difference right there, and that's a good that's a good sign for Essendon fans going forward. That I mean, that's what you want as a fan. You want you want your team to take their. You don't want to watch your team blow their chances every week. If Essendon's able to do that, they'll be um they'll trouble a lot of teams. Um, down the stretch in this season so whether there's a problem I mean I yeah as I said I had to look through I feel like the better teams are able to find find the score um, and um, yeah it's it's a it's a tough one because we have this conversation every year and um, there's always it's always going to be weeks where in front of the big sticks players and the high-profile players like in that Fife, although it's been going on for a bit of a while with Fife now, but Ben, ben King um, struggling in front of a goal and really the Holston Kilda team, actually. But um, whether there's a problem, I wouldn't be so sure just yet. I feel like there is a bit of something you could point to with, um, with last year, such a, um, a, like a disjointed year. A lot of teams were without their um, reserves players, so I feel like there's something to that. So maybe it will improve as the year goes on and more continuity gets into players in front of goal, more practice, more practice, more, more drills. But um, it's a tough one. It's a, until we get that longer sample size, which we haven't really got yet, we're bordering on round 10. If we get to round 16 and there's clearly been a drop-off, there's something, um, there's something definitely going on there. It's, um, it's going to be worth discussing down the, down the stretch this season.
0: Yeah, I agree. Maybe it is just a tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit too early in the season to say whether or not there's a problem. But, gee, it's noticing a trend at the moment. And it's not just the good teams, it's not just the bad teams, it's teams all across the ladder, all across the competition. I mean, I remember the Crows against the Giants. I mean, I just took a look at their score, but 4 four fourteen or four fifteen, something like that against the Giants. Against the Swans early in the year, the Crows, massive missed opportunity to make that game at least somewhat competitive on the scoreboard due to how many behinds they kicked. I think 22 behinds, which is insane, an insane number to have. And goal-kicking accuracy has been a problem. I say a problem, but, it, you know, it's always been a factor in football. They're going back absolute decades, you know. Essendon and Melbourne played in the first drawn grand final back in the 40s. And Essendon in that game kicked seven goals, 27. Seven goals, 27. Can you believe that? Threw the premiership away. Melbourne easily won the replay the week after that. Ah, but nevertheless, and no, I'm not salty about that game. In case you're wondering, dear listener. Not salty about that about a game that that happened 52 years before I was born, but nevertheless, it hurts knowing that we threw threw away such a golden opportunity. Teams have always had to deal with goal kicking problems, but I don't know. I just can't remember a time where so many teams at one time seem to be having such a big problem with goal kicking accuracy. Maybe it's just me, but we might revisit that question later on in the season. Now, on to the third part of the episode, dear listener. It is the prediction for round 10. Start off on Friday Night Football. I'll let you start off with this one, uh, Fraser. Who wins Brisbane versus Richmond at the Gabba?
1: By how much and why? Brisbane flying and... uh, um, It's hard not to uh, tip them uh, after just blowing... Uh, the Suns off the park. Um, good to see Jared Lyons getting some kudos in the media this week. Was um, probably best on uh, against the Suns. Uh, fair to be as he was um, ultimately delisted by them. as one of the um, probably one of the worst list management moves uh, of the last decade. Um, yeah, he just directs traffic. He's such like a if he if it was basketball, be the floor general out there. He just knows knows what to do um he's great to watch he's um definitely a bit of an unheralded player and it's nice to see him um, him getting some getting some respect um for me uh i'm tipping the Lions by 24 points and uh i just think this is kind of this is a big test for richmond you have that big emotional win over the giants a game where they could have easily have lost if a couple of free kicks go the other way. Um, so it's the Lions for me. I feel like they're they're really starting to find themselves. So we were I remember last time I was on, we were questioning whether um whether they were going to be up there again this year. And uh, haven't they shown that they're uh, right amongst the the upper echelon of the competition? Because I mean they've strung together. I think they've strung together a really really good uh, month and a half of football now. So Lions by twenty four for me. What about you, mate?
0: I too will be tipping Brisbane. Richmond to me still have too many players out and you have to play four quarters of great football to beat Richmond. And one of the few teams in the competition that is that are capable of, of playing four quarters of great football uh, is Brisbane. And that's why also being at home, if this game was at the MCG, I would have no qualms about tipping the Tigers. But because it's in Brisbane, I'm tipping tipping Brisbane, excuse me. Uh, It should be a great game of football. I think Brisbane by 13. On to Saturday afternoon football. This one is going to be interesting. I'll start off with this one, if that's the right phrase. Carlton versus Hawthorne at the MCG. I'm tipping the Blues in a tight one by about 20 points. Now, Carlton could theoretically annihilate the Hawks. But I'm just thinking back the last 15 to 20 years or so and how much Carlton have struggled to beat Hawthorne during that stretch. Like they have really, really struggled. Even last year when the Blues only just missed out on finals and Hawthorne finished, I think it was third last on the ladder, the Hawks comfortably beat the Blues. And so this is an absolute massive danger game for Carlton. But one thing that Carlton have proven that they can do this year is beat the teams that are worse than them. They beat the Bombers, they beat the Dockers, they beat the Suns, they'll beat the Hawks, but it could be a sneaky good game.
1: Agree with you, mate. Um, danger game. Don't think the Blues will blow them away. I saw Hawthorne seem to play the GOK, and um, you feel like they'll they'll bounce back after what was a tough weekend for them last week, losing to the um, previously winless North Melbourne. So uh, I've, tipped the, uh, I've tipped the Blues by 30. Um, obviously, a bit going on there as well. We've had the T um, press conference thing, um, apologizing saying this is his worst press conference of the season. Crip, the issue with Cripps is back. Carlton played okay against Melbourne, but Melbourne were just like, they're just the, a better team. As I mentioned earlier, Carlton had 15 more clearances around the ground, which is against Max Gorn. That's no easy feat. And um, they've had 14 more tackles inside 50. So their pressure, I feel like their forward line's functioning okay. You've got Mackay up there, who's um, really stamped himself as one of the um, better forwards in the competition um, this season, which has been a, a nice surprise for Blues fans. Um, but their, their, their inside 50 efficiency is a worry. And that's coming from their, their ball users in the midfield. So I've seen a bit, a bit made about Cripps's disposal efficiency they just need to tidy a bit up coming through there and hitting targets. Their, their forward line's not bad. It's not the worst forward line in the competition. If they can get it in there, hit their targets, make the most of, op- of their opportunities. This game can get could get ugly for a Hawthorne. But I've um I'm tipping the I'm tipping the blues by 30 in this one.
0: Uh may accidentally hear my neighbors in the background. Uh that's all right. I'm tipping the I already told you what I'm tipping. Right, I went first. Don't know what I'm thinking. Right, moving on to the next one. Fraser, Geelong versus Gold Coast down in Geelong.
1: As I mentioned earlier, could get ugly for the Suns. They were nowhere near it um, against the Lions. And Geelong, they just seem to – they're just one of those teams. They just find a way to win – could have easily lost that game against St Kilda. I mean, we saw that that Bradley Close banana from the boundary to kind of put the dagger in the hearts of the St Kilda fans. That was a great moment on Friday night and uh, didn't make up for the shocking kicking, but it was a bit of a highlight and um, it was nice to see. It's always good when we have a, a good start to the weekend and hopefully we get that this weekend with the Lions and the Tigers. I did want to raise um, a player... I do hear a bit um, Mitch Duncan is the most underrated player in the competition. I would say, how about Cam Guthrie? Because he's um, he's had a blinder of a year. I think in his last seven, he's had 30 plus. And I would definitely mark him down as a bit of a smoky for the Brownlow. I feel like he's been their best player, most consistent player for the season. So keep an eye on Guthrie. I'm not sure what, he, what he's paying for the Brownlow, but might be worth having a couple of dollars on.
0: Might be a free agent too, although I might be um, making that up, but I'm pretty sure that Cam Guthrie is a free agent at the end of this season. And if he is, Geelong, throw the book at him. Got to gotta sign him up. Got to sign him up. Could be potentially their next captain, Geelong. He is that good of a player. Uh, I'm tipping the Cats to win fairly comfortably. Gold Coast, really disappointing last week. Uh, they're not going to beat Geelong in Geelong. I mean, that being – I've just said that, so they're probably going to but they're not going to do it. Geelong's going to win by about seven goals. going to be easy. On to the Crows versus Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. I'm tipping Melbourne. I'm about to say Adelaide. I'm tipping Melbourne to win this one by 20 points. Could be a danger game. The Crows have had a terrible five weeks. The Deeds have had an awesome nine weeks. Uh, if they head into this with the mindset that they are going to win this automatically – And I think the Crows are going to win. But there's just something about Melbourne that tells me that they're not going to do that. They're too mature to do that this year, Melbourne, which is why they're going to win this game and win this game comfortably in the end.
1: Agree, mate. Uh, I've got Melbourne by five. I thought Adelaide tried hard against West Coast. They could have dropped their head. West Coast took control early and to only lose by... I mean, I think they lost by 30 in the end. And I thought that was a pretty good effort. West Coast... Really hard to beat over there. Um, Rory Laird was a standout, 36 and a goal. Yeah, as I mentioned, easy easy to drop your head. So I feel like coming back home, they've had a few weeks. They had a couple of weeks there when they were clearly off the pace. And to be able to um, show a bit of fight um, against the Eagles in Perth was a good sign for a, for a young team. And they've got a lot of talent coming through. So good signs for Crow supporters. But um, Melbourne by five goals for me.
0: Yep, should be yet another easy win for the Demons. This game could be potentially interesting. It's the Dogs versus the Saints at Marvel Stadium. Fraser, I'll let you go with this one. Can the Dogs continue their good form?
1: I think they can. Um, They've shown they can play Marvel really well and obviously a really impressive win um, over Port. Um, They showed their top tier and made Port look almost second rate port was still. Okay. It's good. Even, but, um, dogs are the dogs are a, a step above. Um, they had 47 more uncontested possessions just looked like the better team, which is hard to do at Adelaide Oval. Um, port play that ground really well. So, um, but St Kilda, obviously they had their, they had their chances against the cats. Um, if they take them, um, who knows, they probably could have won that game. And then we're looking at this one a bit differently thinking, um, Hang on a minute. There might be a chance here um, at Marvel Stadium again. They play the ground pretty well. We saw them um, run over the top of West Coast. who aren't a bad side either. So I feel like it'll be close. I'm not tipping a, a blowout, but I'm, I'm fingers crossed that the Dogs can win this one. And we've got a mouth-watering clash um, come Friday week. Normally,
0: normally I don't have a favorite. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't say i oh, you know between the dogs and the saints and i don't say oh i want one team to beat the other because you know that except for last few years when dogs won the premiership they're, they're traditionally being you know the lovable losers of the competition you know you you wish both teams well but that being said i totally agree with you i hope the dogs win and i hope the dogs win well because it sets up a monster monster friday night clash in round 11 And I think they are going to do it. They're going to win pretty comfortably. I'm tipping them by about six goals. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's much closer than that. I think that the Dogs just play Marvel Stadium too well. If it was anywhere else, I would say the Saints will probably make it close. But the Dogs, they're just such a great team. And they have such a solid home ground advantage. I don't think anyone's going to beat them at Marvel Stadium this year. Truthfully, I don't think anyone's going to do it. Uh, least of all the Saints, who I still don't have faith in, to be honest with you, uh, especially if they can't kick straight. Tipping the dogs to win pretty easily. On to Saturday night. Now the Dockers versus the Swans in Perth at Optus Stadium. Fremantle have had uh, – they're on a two-game winning streak against the Swans. Uh, a great game of football in 2019. Low scoring, Dockers won by a point, and then – They kept the Swans to their lowest score since before moving to Sydney last year with 2-7. Now, the Swans' scoring proficiency has dropped off since the opening month of this year. They're not going to score 2-7. Surely not. Surely not. (laughs) But I do think that the Swans are going to be too good for Fremantle. The Dockers are just a little bit rattled at the moment. They're a lot harder to beat in Perth than they are away from Perth, which is why it's going to be a close game. I'm tipping the Swans by about three goals.
1: It's an intriguing, um, intriguing contest. Um, really looking forward to it. Uh, the Dockers obviously losing to um, Essendon, your boys, in a game they probably could have won if they kicked a bit straighter. We've uh, we've touched on the the Nat Five in front of goals um, commentary, which has been um been all over the news in the last few weeks, and he's not exactly uh, told us to not stop talking about it by continuing to kick behinds and miss targets. So who knows? I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not. I wouldn't say as a Sydney supporter, I wouldn't say I'm confident, but um, I've tipped them by six. And, uh, but it, yeah, it looks looks to be a really um, interesting game of football. It's This is a game that Frio should win. Like looking at it back from last year, Sydney have obviously made a pretty big leap and it feels like Frio haven't really... I mean, they, I feel like they've made a few strides, but at home, this is a game they should win. If we're looking at the teams from last year, you would have said, oh, Frio will win that. But now the playing field's a bit more even. Sydney obviously have... Um, Franklin's going to make the trip over so that's a bit more of a handful so hopefully they'll kick more than 19 points like uh, unlike last year so um, fingers crossed for a good game I'm tipping the Swans by six.
0: On to Sunday football at Giants Stadium the Giants versus the Eagles uh, Fraser I'll let you start with this one can the Eagles win their second game on the road for the season or can the Giants spring a massive upset
1: I'm tipping West Coast I've got them by 12 uh, we've seen Toby Greens obviously injured his shoulder which probably should have been a free kick and almost won them the game but we'll look past that uh, uh, West Coast I feel like they're starting to find that form they didn't blow Adelaide off the park but sometimes that's just what you got to do. You got to find those, you just got to get those four points and bank them um, for later in the year as they push towards it, hopefully for them, a top four spot. Um, it's a tough one for, for the giants with an injury list, which is, I mean, they lose, they've lost their captain in Caniglio and now they're, uh, I don't know, deputy captain in Toby green. So I guess maybe Callan Ward will captain this week. If, um, if that's where it goes. So we're, feels like we're going a bit back in time there so it's a tough one the giants i mean from the start of the season there the jury was out and to be fair they have fought back quite hard and we've seen some of their young talent showing through tom green played really well on the weekend so i feel like it'll be close i've got the eagles by 12 there's been some great matches between um west coast and giant and the giants uh remember that uh that Nat Nui goal to win the game. And then they've had... Oh, the, had a, my yeah.
0: goodness. Great <laughs> piece of commentary.
1: Oh, outstanding. Um, they've had some cracking contests. So hopefully we get that um, on Sunday afternoon.
0: I think the Eagles are going to win. I think the Eagles are going to win. I think the Eagles are going to win a close game by 13 points. Massive danger game for West Coast, though. And the Giants, I don't know what it is. They they must be the most tenacious football team in the in the competition, no matter how many injuries they have, their leaders just stand up when needed. Now that Green is out, whoever the captain will be this weekend, he will undoubtedly stand up and take on that role again. And and, and I don't know, maybe maybe he'll be an inspirational leader, like Toby Green. I don't know. We'll see last time that you know, Canelio were into got injured around in three. And so the next game came out toby green keep five goals and the giants rolled collingwood you know anything can happen but i think even away from wa even on the other side of the country i think that the eagles are going to win should be a great game of football though this one is interesting it's a battle of the prison bars I heard so much about this off field and now these two teams are playing against each other collingwood versus port adelaide could be one of the most bizarre football rivalries ever I think this game at the MCG even though it's in Melbourne I think Port Adelaide's going to win they should win by about four or five goals Port uh could it be a danger game for them not really just because I look at Collingwood and I just see no spark there you know and you need to kick a high score to beat Port Adelaide and Collingwood can't kick a high score and they need to you know you need to defend well to beat Port Adelaide and Collingwood can't defend Because of those two factors, I think Port's going to win comfortably.
1: Agreeing with you, mate. I think Port will have the power to win this weekend. And uh, hopefully, we uh, see a bit of prison bar action after the game. I'm sure that'll go down well. But um, yeah, I've got Port by five goals, like yourself. And um, it could get, if Collingwood play, if they don't turn up, like after quarter time when Sydney got the ball on their, got the game on their terms. Collingwood dish that up again. This could be this could be disastrous. I feel like Port will get up after losing to the Dogs. They've had a, there'll be a bit of uh, pressure on them from the South Australian media media during the week. Uh, Collingwood need to be careful here because worst thing that could happen is in the next couple of days Nathan Buckley gets a, a a contract extension and then they get blown off the park. So hopefully for Collingwood supporters they respond and. Um, put up a good fight but uh it's hard to see them hard to see them beating uh, the power
0: uh last game of the round at Marvel Stadium is the Bombers and the Kangaroos now these two teams have in the last few seasons played awesome matches against each other some of the best games like you remember the Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody game. Oh, I got chills at the back of my spine. I was at a hotel watching that and I'm shocked we didn't get a noise complaint, Dad and I, when we watched that goal. The amount the cheering that we did, oh, we were so loud, but fantastic. These games have been awesome. It's been a long time since North Melbourne beat the Bombers. Fraser, can the Kangaroos bring their second upset in a row?
1: The answer is no. Uh, Essendon's far better than uh, North and Hawthorne. And, uh, I pointed to their efficiency by foot is a really good asset to have. And, uh, they've brought in players like Nick Hind, and obviously they've got the young players like Cox. Um, he looks like a star of the future. So a lot of good signs for Essendon fans. I'm tipping them by, tipping them by 24, but, uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't shock to see them, uh, deliver the smackdown. It's, uh, they've played a, it's, they're playing a nice brand of football at the moment, Essendon. And, um, it's nice to see because there's been a few years where I haven't loved watching Essendon and um, it's nice to see because the more the more teams that play a nice brand of football, the more watchable the game is. And even when we've got St Kilda blowing, what is it, 4,000 <laughs> 4, shots on Friday night, um, when you've got teams that play the game how it should be played like Essendon are at the moment, it's nice to see and it uh, looks like they're on the right track.
0: Yep, Uh, correct call, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. I do think the Bombers are going to win, and they should win comfortably. I'm always apprehensive to say we should. We should beat a team comfortably, but I do think we'll win by about four or five goals. Uh, About two weeks ago, before North Melbourne's win, I was thinking that this would be about 50 points or so. But North did show a lot of heart last weekend and you know might start to get some of the cavalry back to kangaroos they've been hit hard by injuries especially being so young their injuries obviously hurt a lot more than a team like richmond who have a lot of depth and obviously premiership experience but i think the bombers are going to be too good should win might go to this game might go to this game and if i do i'm hoping for a stress-free afternoon at the football uh which i know i'm not going to get because the did. Uh, now Fraser, before we go, I do want to ask you, which game do you think is going to be the closest, Oh, sorry, which game are you most looking forward to watching this weekend and why, and which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout of the weekend and why?
1: Uh, most looking forward to Friday night, uh, Brisbane. I want to see them show that they're the real deal and hopefully win this quite comfortably, um, Anywhere upwards of five goals, I think, would be a good effort. Richmond, obviously, they just know how to win, and we saw that against the Giants. Even watching that game, it just felt like they had no right to win, and they just found a way. So that's that's obviously that's the character of a of a triple triple Premiership team. Um, But yeah, hopefully the Lions can show that they're the real deal, and um, yeah, really looking forward to that one. As far as a blowout, I mean, there's a few there's a few candidates. Um, I've mentioned. I've mentioned the Suns and the Pies. I'll go with the I'll go with the Suns. I mean, Geelong's forward line so dangerous, and uh, if you saw some of the highlights of um, the Lions' demolition of the Suns, some of their defensive work is just not up to scratch. And if they turn up like that, I mean, I'm sure they'll respond. But that could um, we've already seen Geelong absolutely demolish West Coast down there, and I would argue that. West Coast have Gold Coast covered by uh, a considerable margin. So uh, that that would be my pick for demolition of the round. What about you, mate?
0: Hmm, tricky question. Uh, demolition of the round, demolition of the round, demolition of the round, demolition of the round. Could be, uh, oh, you know what? don't know why I'm putting so much thought into this. It would be Geelong versus Gold Coast. Last time they played down in Geelong, uh, Matt Rao got injured. Game before that, Geelong won by 100 points. Don't think it'll be quite that much. But I'm just saying Gold Coast have really struggled down in Geelong, and I see no reason why that would change this time around. Game I'm most looking forward to watching this weekend, Friday night football, Brisbane versus Richmond, two premiership contenders, played uh, two finals against each other last few seasons, um, last two years in a row, I should say. Both games were entertaining clashes, both games at the Gabba, one win apiece. I'm, I'm excited for this game. I'm really excited for this game. I reckon Brisbane as well, they're going to bring a little bit of heat, especially after Richmond won the Premiership last year on the Lions' home deck. And I bet a lot of Brisbane supporters are thinking, man, what a missed opportunity. What a golden opportunity we let slip through our hands. Uh, But it should be a great game of football. Fraser, thank you so much for joining me for this weekend. Um, For your sake, as well as mine, and all the other Sydney supporters' sake, I hope that we win on Saturday night.
1: Fingers crossed, mate. Good to see we're on the same wavelength there.
0: Fingers crossed indeed. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Kasper Cloud. Join me next week when me and another co-host will discuss all of the action at around 10 and preview a massive round 11, the first of two uh, rounds dedicated to the Sir Douglas, Nic- Sir Douglas Nichols round, a fantastic initiative by the AFL. Indeed, until then, sayonara.